Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Today, we get to hear from Carolyn Williams. She's been into fitness and being active for most of her life, so it's not a surprise that she owns and runs the Bar Method Fitness Studios in Vancouver. There, they fuse Pilates, yoga, and ballet into a unique fitness program. But for Carolyn, the social connections and community building that happen are just as important, maybe even more so. I found Carolyn to be introspective, and my guess is that this quality, at least in part, was born out of the many challenges that show up for a business owner. However, as many experienced, the COVID years turned up the dial on the growth opportunities. Let's check out Carolyn's take on her experience of that time. All right, so let's talk about you rolling with the punches. You have a fitness studio. Yep. And of course, lots of things were affected back in COVID, but particularly the things that involve getting a bunch of people together and being in contact or sweating or whatever around each other. So paint me a quick picture of what was going on early on. Yeah, I mean, I. it's funny how there's events in your life that you can go back and remember exactly where you were at a given time. I have to admit Princess Diana's death. I remember where I was and what we, the news we were watching and who we were with. And I think the moment we realized the world was being shut down because of COVID, I think is a very similar situation. And thinking back the the days leading up to it, and what we were starting to process and think about, you know, I, I remember at least probably a week or two before everything was shut down, we started filming some classes and posting them on Instagram because there was a sense that things were going to change and we wanted to be in front of them as much as we could be. And so we started filming these classes, posting them to onto Instagram because there were people saying they didn't feel comfortable coming in. We kept moving forward. I remember the days up until that Sunday night, we were still open. We were spraying lots of Lysol. We were cleaning everything. We were making our classes shorter so that we could have more time to clean in between people were coming in and saying they were so thankful that we were staying open, but we were definitely seeing a a drop in our class numbers. We were starting to see a bit of a drop in our revenue. And then that Sunday, um, one of my managers, it was, it was around midnight and he lives in Halifax. So I don't even know what time it was um, 4am and my two managers here and it was midnight and it was this anticipation that Trudeau was going to say, everything is shut down. And, you know, and, and the moment that happened for everybody was surreal, right? What does this mean? Do we just stay in our homes? Do we, are we not able to walk anywhere? You know, I think that was just such a, such a moment of filling in the blanks because you didn't actually know what the blanks were. And so I remember then we sent out an email, but I remember getting up at the crack of dawn and going down to the studio to wait in case anybody showed up. And um, 
And so we were there in case anybody came for class and we just had to say, we're really sorry. We're shut down. We sent out an email. You know, at that point it had been announced that we were going to be closed for two weeks. So we said, we're going to have classes online, but it was, it was such an unknown that all you kind of knew how to do was just kind of keep moving forward. Right. It was, if you, if you stopped to reflect you didn't know how you were going to restart. So you just kept going. And I remember I, for those, you know, first few days, I kept coming to the studio and we would film a class for Instagram or we would go on Instagram and post, do a class for everybody at home. And then we started just evolving it of how do we stay connected with our clients? Uh, talk about rolling with the punches. We started doing to, I mean, so much of what we do is is not just the exercise part, but it's a community of of where people come together and they see each other and they feel like they're a part of something where people care about who they are. And so we then started doing something called tea talks. We would get on at nine a.m. on Instagram, me and one of my managers, and we would interview one of our staff, or we would find different people to interview uh, in our community. That whether it was nutritionist or uh, I think we did uh, RMT. We it was a whole scope of people, but it was truly this idea of rolling with the punches, right? It was if we looked and saw what what was it that we provided we provided absolutely exercise and we could continue to do that but we also provided more than just exercise and we needed to figure out a way to continue to provide that and so i think one of our tea talks had about 500 views i mean it was actually kind of decent given given the fact that this was just a me at home sitting there thinking how do we keep our community connected and people could come on and post questions and it would be tune into tea talks at 9am and we would have our teacups full of our tea and uh and i think you know it was it was a time that everybody was just looking for connect looking for the connections and um and and any attempt that made them feel less isolated. And I think, you know, throughout the entire last three years, it's always been, how do we, how do we keep people connected and how do we keep people from feeling like they're not alone in this, that we care whether they're there or not. We care whether they show up and, and even, you know, the various, you know, COVID is, is presented all sorts of interesting challenges. And I think I remember, you know, I got really into listening to podcasts during COVID. We all needed some sort of motivation. We all needed words of inspiration. And I remember listening to one and it was this idea of um, embracing challenges, right? And and instead of looking, dreading this, a, you know, a fight or a problem that you had to tackle, being excited about how you were going to come up with a solution, and I would I would not say I did that all the time, but I that was always the the mindset that I tried to flip to was how could I switch this into an interesting problem or a or an exciting challenge to tackle um, because you know it, all of this was making us use a different part of our brain. I think it's like we have we've gotten so used to like here's the problem here's how we figure it out right it's how we learned math here's how we do our multiplication we do this line and then we do this line and then all of a sudden it was you're not allowed to, you can't use that part of your brain anymore because that part isn't necessary for the problems that we now have to figure out and 
And I think that was, a. I mean, I think COVID, it was scary because it was unknown and we couldn't control it. Right. I think that was the thing that disorienting. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that was the thing that I came back to so often was there were so many things that I felt out of control with. Right. I, I didn't get to control what choices the government made. I didn't get to control what choices our clients made uh, or our staff made. Um, so how do you find, how do you find some sort of orientation in a totally disoriented environment? Um, well, you talk about using a different part of your brain to try to, uh, you know, roll, uh, deal with things. How did you find this other part of your brain? And what, is there anything that you brought you to it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, you know, it. I, uh, I had a moment where probably in like May of 2020, all I wanted to do was go back to university. I have my undergrads in psychology and all I wanted to do was go back and get a master's in resilience, right? I wanted to figure out what was making some people resilient and some people not. I would, I wanted to know how we in this new environment, how different people were coping and why they were coping the way they were. So, so it was, it was much more, the world no longer became a to-do list, right? Of like taking things off and getting things done because in many ways there wasn't anything to get done, right? I think that was the like crazy thing of, I'm not driving my kids to swimming. I'm not driving them to school. I'm not driving them to gymnastics. I and, you know, they're going to kind of figure out this online homeschool learning. I'm not necessarily going to the grocery store. You know, there are all these things, all these to-dos were taken away from our life. Yeah, with all those to-do lists, like, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, we're so governed by schedules. We're so governed by by these to-do lists. So it was it was, I wouldn't say I'm a hugely creative person, but I feel like it was flipping me to a place that I had to be creative, right? I had to not rely on status quo. I had to not rely on everything I had done. You know, I've I've had my company now for, I'm in my 13th year. And so for 10 years, I, I had been learning and getting better and, you know, perfecting what I did. And then all of a sudden you have a brand new course and you don't know how to, you don't know, you don't know this new course. And so how do you figure it out? Um, mm -hmm. But, but I think, I think the brilliant thing is, is you, you know, we have, it's something that I've definitely told myself a lot over the last three years is history has shown me that I will figure it out. And I kept having to rely on that, right? I'm, I'm, have my health, I have my family, I have my house, I have these things. History has shown me that even when I'm faced with tough problems, I have the ability to figure out the figure out a path that has led me on to my next thing. And no matter how difficult the place that I'm currently in, no how, no matter how uncomfortable the place that I'm currently in, my history has shown me that I will figure out a path to the next place. So you found yourself looking to looking back to your successes, looking back to your like you know being able to make it through challenging times, and that's was like your doorway into absolutely yeah. considering other options. Yeah, no, I mean I, I think it was, you know, there's there life has has throughout our you know throughout everybody's life, right? We've all had challenges, um, 
And so often too, it's that memory of if I'm okay where I am today, then I can't have regrets or want a different path because if I had a different path, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so just this, this, you know, that, that history has shown me that it it takes me to a path that I'm okay with. Right. If that makes sense. Well, it does. And, you know, it seems common for people when, when faced with challenge to go to the place of uh, worrying about the worst, thinking about the worst, when, when their system is overwhelmed, then they would probably like switch over, like flip their lid and switch over into lizard brain and just worry about survival and, and that sort of thing, which is, is the opposite of what you've been talking about. And I'm curious about were there steps that you've taken, were there things that have led you to this, what seems to be a habit or an orientation to look to the successes, look to the successes? Um, you know, I mean, I, like I for sure will credit my husband he's a uh, very level-headed logical thinker doesn't bring a lot of emotion into the thought process and i think even this was something that you and i talked about before was how you separate right the emotion from the problem and for sure it's been something that over the 3 years has been a growth for me is trying to separate my, my emotions are not going to help me on this pathway, right? It's, it's, it's trying to take the facts, because the emotions aren't necessarily the facts, the emotions are my response to my perception. So definitely, I would say, having open dialogue with whether it's my husband, whether it's one of my managers, both of them, are hugely influence, influential in helping me with my thought process. I think just in general, right, is is having somebody, having people in your life that you can be a sounding board from where you can, you can say all your fears, right? You can say, just as you said, the worst case, here's the worst, worst case, and you can say it out loud to that person. And whether that person is then kind of helping you redirect or even telling you the things that you already know, but kind of guide you to that. Yeah, I mean, I do this with my son all the time. What is the worst, worst situation that could happen? And what's your emotional response or what's your response to the worst that could happen? Okay. Well, if we've established that that's the worst that can happen and you're okay with that, then whatever. Let's back else. up from there. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Did that, I, I, I feel like I went off in a tangent. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, what I'm hearing, and this is actually, I'm finding to be a theme, and this is, one is having people to rely on, like not just trying to figure it out all on your own. And then, of course, then having people who are, you can share your experience with so that you can make choices that are clearer, Mm -hmm. that have more options on the table. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, we we all know how our, our brain, you know, oftentimes function functions in places of fear, right? Because I, I, I think at the end of the day, so much of so much of so much of our responses or our mental dialogue has to do with fear, right? And and when we go to a place of fear and what is the dialogue that's attached to that fear. And then if you can kind of acknowledge that that dialogue is coming from a place of fear and put it, you know, 
in a bit of a parking lot or whatever and say like, I, I get that this internal dialogue is, is coming from this place that anybody you listen, any successful person you listen to, like so many of them will say that fear is never going to guide you to the right place. Right. It's probably it, fear. If anything is your distractor. Um, and, and I think that's the great thing is, as you said, of looking to other people um, because they're not going to have that fear, right? They're, they're not, that emotion is not a part of, it might be their own internal dialogue, but the conversation they're going to have with you isn't going to be coming from a place of fear, which your own dialogue will be. Yeah. yeah Cause it's your baby. That's, <laughs> that feels like it's at risk, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you feel like you have so much to lose and so you act from a place of of loss, but the reality is, is you're not losing anything. So COVID hitting and uh, pivoting that you had to do to address that wasn't the only challenge that came up, right? Yeah. So, you know, we, so COVID March, 2020, and then in um, January of 2021, I got a termination of my lease from my landlord because they were redeveloping the building. And so you know, that, that came at a really interesting time in that we were doing, you know, 50% of our original revenue. Um, there was, I wasn't making any money there, you know, every, every bit of money that was coming into the bank account was just to cover costs. So the idea of having to find a new location, um, do a build out and all while, you're still trying to build a business back that in, you know, going back to that fear, I, I didn't know whether fitness was ever going to come back. Right. I did. I mean, you, you have this, you have where people truly had changed their habits and, and going back into a, excuse me, a brick and mortar exercise studio felt very uncertain, right? It, it was it was definitely the fitness industry, I think across Canada and the US has definitely been one of the industries that's been hit the hardest because a lot of people found more flexibility from working out from home. Um, lots of equipment was bought for people's homes. So so I think I had this, wow, I'm getting kicked out of my, my location and am I ready to spend the time and the money, um, money of which I don't have, to continue this journey. And I, you know, I going back to relying on other people, it was definitely I called up one of my managers and I was, he was the first person that I shared the news with. He's somebody that's worked with me for over 10 years. And and, you know, I mean, he kind of said, like, think about it for a moment. Are are you done? Cause, you know, 10, 11, 12 years in, if you're done, you're done and that's okay. And, and I, I think I quickly responded, I'm not done because I believe so much in what we do. I believe so much in giving people a space that they feel a community Um, and also just building mental, emotional, physical strength. I think that when you feel strong, you feel confident. And when you feel confident, the the impact that you get to make in your world is, is incredible. And, and not just, you know, not just superficial confidence, but like real confidence. Um, And so I decided I wasn't done. 
And so it was then a very quick, okay, let's get to work. And I think we, we in that time decided that it was probably instead of building the location that I had downtown was over 3000 square feet. It had two studios, a big locker room. And we decided maybe not doing something quite the same size, but trying to find a place downtown and then also a place um, for uh, Mount Pleasant up Main Street. So moving from one location and trying to do two locations. Uh, so I found a space on Main Street, but my downtown took a lot longer um, to find. And then it was the process of of dealing with the city and getting a permit. And so it was- It's oh always gosh. an adventure. Oh my gosh. I wrote so many emails to the mayor's office. I called the city, I called a city planner because I found, I think it was on the redevelopment application for my old location. I found a city planner's name. So I just found his phone number and I called him every single day. And I emailed him and I I think I even sent him text messages. I mean, I'm sure he thought I was absolutely crazy, but I think it's that whole idea of when you don't feel in control of something, right? How do we behave when we don't feel in control and when we're governed by fear? And I absolutely, it was, yeah, I just, I, I was just not going to give up. And then at some point, I think at some point I even contacted the um, Vancouver Sun so they did an article on me of like how to deal with, you know, getting through the city. Cause I think, you know, also I had, I had people, I had staff that relied on an income and that's been a really, that's been a really important part of these last three years was making sure that those people that our team felt like their needs were getting taken care of and that their employment was important to me. And so along the way, and, and, you know, I'm sure there is like, you know, I'm sure you could psychoanalyze my, uh, in what my intentions were or whatever else, but, but I, it was definitely, I want to, I want to keep this team. I want to keep this group of people a part of our community. Um, and so that was a, you know, it was for sure keeping their jobs, but also keeping our community. And, and I knew that if, if I was closed for a certain amount of time that our clients would find a new home and I would no longer have a a viable business. Um, and so it was a lot of emailing, calling, texting. I think I even was harassing poor, um, Kennedy Stewart EA at some point. (laughs) Um, but I was a little bit relentless in trying to get it done. Uh, In the end, we were able to get the studio room built and we were only shut for a week. But we, yeah, but it it was, it was a tough process. And then even just, um, you know, doing construction last year and, and yeah, it, it has been a journey. It's, I mean, so many times I say, you know, I'm kind of done with character building experiences. I don't think we're ever done with character building experiences. I think they, uh, they will continue to present themselves. And, and I think I've, I've probably taken a new approach as to, um, let's embrace all character building experiences. I don't, I don't, don't blame you for wanting to tap out because I mean, just going through a renovation can be challenging enough, far less having all those other things piled on top. So uh, aside from, I mean, it sounds like you had, you know, staff that you to, you could talk to and you had your husband to talk to. So 
um, beyond having these people who you trusted to talk about what was going on? Were there any other um, strategies or things that you did that helped you keep your head above water and keep you moving forward? Um, I, uh, back to where I got really into podcasts and really into going for walks and listening to, you know, the, the thing that I became my quote is, I don't need to listen to any more of my unproductive thoughts. I would far rather put all these other very intelligence, very intelligent people's thoughts into my brain. So uh, yeah, I just, it was, it was truly surrounding myself with the voices of successful and motivating people. And, and that was whether it was books I read or podcasts I listened to, um, I, I definitely kind of gobbled up other people's views and journeys and words of wisdom and whatever else, because it was, if I was going to continue to be motivating and inspiring and whatever else to my staff, to my clients, to my kids, I needed, uh, to fill my bank up with other people. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Can't give from an empty bucket. Yeah. So in looking back, if you could go back in time <laughs> and whisper something super helpful into your ear, any thoughts on what that might be? Yes. I think having more confidence in myself, uh, I think having embracing that these difficult, difficult situations are going to make me a better person. I think one of the, you know, I look today kind of at the, at the place that I am with my life. And oftentimes I think, you know, I'm, I'm 44 and I think my twenties were truly about like, just making myself happy, right? Like you feel, you just constantly focus on filling up your bank and then your thirties are a continuation of that. And you're kind of getting settled in your career and whatever else. And the way I'm embracing my 40s is that my 40s are how can I make the world a better place? And that it actually doesn't have to do with me. I think it is where I'm now on this, the 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 last part of or whatever left I have in my journey is is having positive impacts on other people. And whether that's my kids or my staff or my husband or my friends or whatever else, but how, how do we continue to show up in this world that makes the world better? And um, so I think if we get less focused on ourselves sometimes too, you know, I, I was listening to um, this guy, Russ Roberts. He has a podcast called Econ Talks, but he has a book called Wild Problems. And he said, you know, do you want to be the only man on stage or do you want to be a part of an ensemble? And if you're a part of an ensemble, think of the great things that you can create. And I think that's like, I think it's a really refreshing view to take that we are part of a big team, right? We are part of this ensemble. And I think if I had, if I had been more in that place from the beginning of like, I'm not alone, I'm a part of something bigger and, and being a part of something bigger means collectively we'll get, we'll get to the other side versus I've got to figure this out by myself and all the weight is on my shoulder. Right. But I think, I, I think, yeah, maybe that whisper of like, you're not alone. You, you've got people and you're a part of 
you're part of some a great team and you as a team will co collectively move forward in this. And it also sounds like your awareness, openness, and commitment to being of service is also a, a big contributor to what motivates you and keeps you focused. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, I think having a life of service and where I serve other people and whether that's in friendship or in work or my kids or whatever else, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's how, I don't remember when, where I was listening to this, but the dopamine, I think release that you get when you actually donate money is the same as if somebody were to hand you a check for the same amount of money. Right. I think it's, it's this acknowledgement that actually living a life of service and is, is really gratifying and it, it's not going to make me wealthy, but I'm going to feel good every day. And I'm going to really, really like what I'm doing with my life. Well, I want to thank you so much, Carolyn, for sharing with me today. I'm sure everyone who's listening will have gotten something really helpful from that. And, you know, part of this is creating that experience of we're in this together. We can help each other. Yeah, I really enjoyed our time today. Well, thank you. This was such an honor to be, to chat with you today. I, my husband said to me earlier, he said, remember, don't go off in tangents because I like to go <laughs> off in tangents. <laughs> but no, it's, you know, I I think we all have our, a story of our life and, and it actually feels very fulfilling, right? To share that story. So thank you for chatting with me. Thank you for asking me all these questions because it's, it's a privilege to get to speak about it. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success, go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.